0: Curriculum Associates presents the Extraordinary Educators podcast with hosts Danielle Sullivan and Sari Leveris. Hear tips, best practices, and successes to improve your teaching and leadership and drive student growth and learning. We're here for you.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extraordinary Educator podcast. I'm Danielle.
0: And I'm Sari. This week, we are joined by the amazing Jesse Lewis. He is a regional math consultant at Curriculum Associates with us. And we are so excited for you to hear our conversation with him about all things math instruction.
1: Yes. And one important tip at the end, stay tuned for the whole 12 minutes because it's really helpful to just listen to some of his strategies to reframe and refresh your approach to mathematical instruction.
0: Absolutely. So here is our conversation with Jesse. Welcome, Jesse. It is so great to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. So, Jesse, what are you seeing um, when it comes to mathematics instruction, especially now in 2024, post-pandemic, post all the things? So what are, what are some things that you're seeing?
2: Well, uh, of course, everybody is still kind of in recovery mode from the pandemic. You know, teachers, students, families are trying to figure out how to get students caught back up, even you know, a few years post pandemic and and being back in the schools. And I think what I'm seeing is that a lot of teachers are reverting back to ways of teaching mathematics that research has shown isn't effective for like time purposes. So they're, they're trying to go back to more rote memorization, procedural things that they can kind of put their finger on and say, I taught a student how to do this. Um, as opposed to helping students develop the understanding that they need to be successful in mathematics long term. They're also very, very, very focused on like just their grade level and getting students through their grade level and not thinking about like, if I teach it this way, what's going to happen to this understanding when they get to the next grade and, and when they move forward into higher levels? of mathematics where now teachers in later grades have to undo and unteach, you know, what that, what I've just taught my students now. And so there's a a lot of trying to do catch up and and teachers are trying to do the best that they can. um, But I think they're just not understanding the ramifications of their approach to instruction long-term.
0: That makes total sense. And they go hand in hand, right? Because Teachers only have so much time and they have to catch students up. And if there's a shortcut or a trick, you know, why not move them along? And then also not, not knowing the implications, like you said, for future teachers to have to undo that. And so how would you recommend to teachers listening that they sort of reframe their thinking around this?
2: So the, the first thing I would recommend is really taking some time, which we know teachers don't have. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, looking at the way the standard is asking the students to understand the mathematics. I can remember when I was teaching in New Jersey and we first adopted the Common Core. And I looked, I was teaching fifth grade and I looked and I was like, oh, this unit or this standard is about teaching multi digit multiplication. I know how to do that. I'm going to teach multi digit multiplication. And my students, of course, weren't doing as well as I would have liked them to. And when I went back and actually looked at how they were expected to understand it, it was like, oh, this is why they don't know or they're not performing the way that I want them to. Because I can teach them the procedure of multiplying multi-digit whole numbers. But when they're being asked certain questions, it's asking them about the understanding that they need. And so I really needed to take some time to unpack and look at what the standard was asking students to do and how I was asking them to show their thinking, and then change my approach to uh, the instruction that way. So that's always one of the first places to go is to look at the standards. And then look at the standards for mathematical practice. Those eight standards for mathematical practice really, really help a teacher understand what are the things, the behaviors my mathematicians are expected to do to be able to be successful long-term and memorizing is not one of the standards for mathematical practice, right? So I want students to be able to persevere through problems. And so if I'm a teacher that's looking at word problems and saying, oh, the word problems are too difficult, I just wanna teach the numbers, then they're never gonna learn how to persevere through solving problems. And so those are two places to go and kind of get started with how my, I need to change my approach to my math instruction.
1: Yes to all of that. Um, That's a really, yes, totally. I want you to also speak about the classrooms of today. I hear a lot of educators sharing the students are, because of the pandemic, students are really struggling with their own self-regulation, having student-centered learning. Like a lot of times teachers are doing, reverting back to quote unquote old math practices because it's, it's, it's classroom management derivative Mm -hmm. too, not just not really great ways for students to learn mathematics so what are some strategies to approach the students of today who may need more support with self-regulation doing independent centers work like all these best practices in education that we know work to really drive uh, creative student thinking in mathematics So, so what are some ways that teachers can start to approach not only the classroom management piece but also the students needing a lot of help butting up against their own issues with pushing themselves because a lot of like really good extending math thinking is to have rigorous math problem solving. And if students are giving up easily, like, so speak to that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a, you know, legitimate concern. But one of the things I always think about is um, the only way they're going to get better is if they practice it. So if I remove the need for you to kind of self-regulate and learn how to talk with a partner or work with a partner, then you're never going to learn how to do it. So I have to continue to allow you to get that practice. So um, while it may feel right <laughs> to put the desk back in rows and have everybody work individually, uh, we know that good math instruction is exactly the opposite. And so I have to find ways to incorporate um, the, the practice with those uh, different ways of, of learning and incorporate the structure of the routines that I want, the expectations that I have for students. So I may have to do some more time working on, like, what does a turn and talk look like? What's the expectation? I may have to do some more time working on this is how we use manipulatives and this is what they're used for, and this is how we model with them, and this is where we put them away um, just like with any other classroom management routine, I may have to work in some of that practice with routines, whether it's at the beginning of the year or throughout the year to remind students and show students how um, I expect them to work in mathematics. And I think the other thing is I, I have to go into it with a mindset that my students have some knowledge that I can build on because I'm teaching below where a student understanding is. And if I go in thinking I have to explain everything, then sometimes that's when students just get off because they're like, I already know how to do this, or I already understand this, as opposed to allowing them to show their understanding or asking them more questions about what they're thinking and, and telling them to show you how they solve the problem. So um, putting more of the onus and the ownership of learning on the students has actually shown to help with a lot of those behavioral challenges as well.
0: That's super helpful. Thank you so much for sharing. And to go back to your first point, I think too, you know, just being really explicit with students. Like right now we're having a hard time during turn and talks. I'm noticing that we're, you know, the volume is so loud we can't hear our partner and and sharing with them like what, what is the group, the same way you would do with data, you know, during a data chat. And I love what you said about, you know, just, just carving out the time to explicitly teach the routine. And I think kind of similar to what we were talking about before, although it might seem like more time upfront, The payoff in the end is going to help immensely save time, you know, throughout the rest of the year. So thank you for sharing those. Before we close out, because we're almost at time, is there any other tips or parting advice as teachers head into 2024 thinking about their math instruction?
2: Yes, absolutely. Do the math yourself. All the new strategies that you're unfamiliar with, the new different concepts, different ways of looking at it take some time and explore it on your own pull out the manipulatives and try to build problems and model problems in different ways the more comfortable you become with the different strategies and models the easier it will be for you to teach it to your students and I have a quick uh i guess story testimonial i was working with a teacher on long island uh she was a fourth grade teacher and she was just not happy about having to teach multiplication using place value strategies. She was like, "Why can't I just teach a standard algorithm? I, this is how I know it. This is the easiest way to do it." And I was just like, "Well, the standards tell you you can't." <laughs> but uh, and, you know, I give all these other reasons why it's you know more beneficial for students to learn it that way. And so that session was over, and I came back maybe a couple months later and i saw her coming and i was like oh man i wonder how she's doing and so i asked her and she she's i'm doing all right we're doing division and i'm like oh my gosh if you hated teaching multiplication using place by strategy i know you hate division and so i asked her how's it going she said it's going so well and i was like really well what happened and she said i took the time over the weekend to learn how to do it myself and it was so much better when we got into the, the classroom and in instruction. And I was like, yes. So if there's one thing, if, if you're out there and you're struggling with a particular strategy or fractions and using fraction strips or using double number lines or any other new strategy that, you know, wasn't used when you were <laughs> learning mathematics, like open up the, the kid's math book, pull them out, try to do it, learn how to do it yourself. Ask a colleague, you know and that will help you to better understand why it's being approached that way and help your students uh, understand how to use those strategies as well.
1: Do the math. I love it. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. Jesse, thank you so much for your strategies. And we can link some of these in the show notes, some places to get more resources around mathematics strategies, but we just appreciate you being on the podcast.
0: Get inspired by following us on social media and please tag us in your posts on Twitter at Curriculum Soch, and on Instagram at My I Ready. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, or want to be a guest, email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. Subscribe where you listen to podcasts.
1: And if you'd like to help more educators like you join the conversation, please leave a review. And remember, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates, editing by Whiteboard Geeks, social media by Atzany Hannon, guest booking by Sari Labaris, production by Haley Browning. This podcast is copyright material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates.